Welcome to episode 116 of the Ask Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how to determine if an exercise or modality is good for you, low back pain with single leg glute bridges, and if trap bar deadlifting will improve your conventional deadlifting. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 116. We have a little bit of a pep in our step because the past three days, Kendrick has slept through the night. It's been unreal. It's 11 hours, has it been? 12? Well, yeah. So he, well, he's in his crib for 11 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not fully, the, he's been waking up like an hour or two earlier and he's, but he's not like, he's not waking up upset. He's just kind of like chilling in his crib. He's which like, is, okay, I'm up. But that, like, I'm definitely up because I'm on high alert at that yeah. point. But, um, so he's yeah. supposed to go 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., right? Pretty much, so yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been like 7 p.m. to about like 6. six. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's been pretty incredible. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> pretty uh, incredible. Yeah, the first night Lauren woke me up and she was like, guess what time it is. <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> She's like... Six. It's like 6 a.m. It's the first time we're waking up. So, yeah, so that's been awesome. Interestingly yeah. enough, actually, the um, past couple days, I've just been, like, really exhausted. I don't know if it's, like, my body was running on adrenaline, and now it's like, oh, you got some sleep? Oh, now you can just be exhausted again. So, um, but it's been awesome. So, it's been yeah. really great, yeah. yeah. Um, as far as this past weekend goes, um, it was your birthday. mom's official birthday. We yeah. celebrated the previous week, but it's her official birthday, uh, St. Patty's Day. So she, she went hard, a lot of green beer, a lot of... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, nothing else. Re- I couldn't even think about what we did on Saturday. Uh, someone asked me, I was like, I have no idea. Um, I did kettlebell class, and then I had a strategy session at the gym. Oh, you know what? We threw the football and around we threw the football yeah. around, yeah. Which was is really fun. fun to be outside. Yeah. But it was windy as heck. <laughs> I was like, what's he going to say? Um, the, I'm sure that we don't have an explicit label on our podcast, yeah. so you got to keep it that way. So the, uh, yeah, the football is just like flying everywhere, but uh, it was good to just run around a little bit and just kind of like be free. <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. outside and not freezing cold. Yeah, so, so that yeah. was good. Oh, and it was your first time really like running and sprinting. Uh, it was. For like, I don't know. A year. Over a year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we played catch when I was 30 four weeks or something. So yeah. I, have, I remember I ran some routes and I have some videos of that. Um, oh, yeah. But that was like very slow. Moderate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so this was, when, by the end of the the time, I was kind of like You're full speed. Almost at full speed, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. Um, okay, cool. So we got a, a few questions. Um, do you want to intro the first one? Um, so I guess the first one was more, um, it's been a question that's been asked a couple different times in a couple different ways. Uh Um, but basically people have asked about certain modalities of exercise, right? So they've been like, what are your thoughts on X, Y, or Z? Yeah. And so this was, uh, this was brought up in our achievers, uh, Facebook group and yeah, someone, someone asked like, I think it was about body pump class. Um, and also spin was thrown in there and, um, just like basically asking, are these appropriate forms of exercise um from like a long-term standpoint Mm -hmm. and we thought it was a really good question because you know if you are doing these sorts of forms of exercise and you're doing it to a certain degree where you feel really worked out um it can make it seem like it's a viable long-term solution right right? Mm -hmm. and so really the way we approached it was that there's really kind of like two objective ways to look at whether or not something is going to be worthwhile for you and number one the big point is is it a progressible 
and is it a scalable form of exercise? And so the reason why we gravitate so much towards strength training is that there's always things that you can tweak to make things a little bit more challenging. We can always add more sets, more repetitions, more range of motion, increase the tempo, well, there's all these certain variables that, or we can even make the exercise a little bit more challenging and that makes for your body to basically be like, okay, I've had more of an increased stimulus, that means I have to adapt and that adaptation makes it so that you're closer to your goals, whatever um, that might be. And you can do this with strength training without just increasing the amount of time. So stuff like running or endurance-based activities, like at a certain point, there's only like, you can't go that much faster, right? So there's kind of diminishing returns. And so the only logical thing to do is add more running days or add longer running days. And it just becomes uh, a little bit tough from a scalability standpoint. So that's kind of how we judge uh, an exercise form, right? So mm -hmm. that's point number one. Point number two, though, is do you enjoy it? And if you enjoy it, it overrides point number one because <laughs> by enjoying it, that means you're just going to be, you're going to have a lot more momentum, have a lot more fun with this, this overall health and fitness lifestyle that is going to help all of your other endeavors. It's going to help you sleep better. It's going to help you have uh, just better overall mindset. It's going to help you uh, in terms of stress management. It's going to help you to stick to a nutrition plan better. Like it just, it's just from a holistic standpoint, it just makes so much sense to be like, you know, Zumba might not be the most scalable thing, but I love it, and that's going to help me on my health and fitness journey, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think that there's just a couple of questions you have to ask yourself uh, like when you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I set up my optimal week? Like, So if for you, for health and fitness, all you're looking for is you want to do something that's active and fun, yep. period. Like you don't care about... Um, you're not interested in weight loss or muscle gain or body composition or like, like none of that stuff really matters. You just are looking to have fun. Then all you have to do, you only have to ask yourself that second question. Like, do That's I true. enjoy this? That's very true actually. Yeah. If you're like, I have some specific goals that I want to work toward, then you have to balance those two questions. So then you say, okay, so let's say for example, I'm looking to, um, lose, lose some body fat. Like, okay, cool, that's what that's your goal, but you also wanna enjoy what you're doing. And so for you, you might say, I love to do Zumba, but if I just do that every day, I'm probably not gonna continue to see, like I might lose some fat at the beginning, but it's not, like Jason was saying, it's not scalable, so I might hit a plateau fairly early. Right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna just take away Zumba because I love it, that's something that's really fun for me. Mm -hmm. I'm just not gonna do it every day, so I'm gonna do that once a week or twice a week and then my other two days a week I'm gonna do some scalable strength training right um, so then you can just kind of like figure out your week and and still keep in the things you love like you don't have to just replace them if they don't fit into that first category but if you have specific goals you might just want to reevaluate like the um, like how often you're doing certain things yeah that's actually a really good point because I kind of like went into that question just kind of assuming that muscle gain or losing weight or one of these like more body composition factors um, was the end goal but there's a lot of people that just like to move yeah. and so if that's the case then like I mean we train so many members that are like oh I like to go for hikes on the weekends and I like to go for long bike rides during the week and I like to garden and like their whole lives are based around just like general physical activity and that's what makes them feel good and they're not too worried about body composition or very certain like measurable goals they just want to just feel good yeah. in which case then literally everything is open for them as long as they enjoy it right yeah. and then the only other thing I would say is that you also like just because you enjoy something doesn't always necessarily mean it is the healthiest thing for you and that's so you true. have to make sure that you're also balancing that so like I mean that's true for so many things like I mean we enjoy like 
a beer, but that doesn't mean, well, I don't actually hate beer. I don't know why I said that. But like, you know, I enjoy to have a drink every once in a while, but I'm not going to do it all the time just because I enjoy it. Like I know that that's something that I shouldn't indulge in. And so sometimes, and by indulging with fitness, like sometimes people are overindulging in certain fitness things. And like, I used to do that. So I used to, I loved spin. I love doing spin, but I did it so much that I ran myself into the ground. Yeah. And I was stressed and I was over, like, I was overtrained and I was going into adrenal fatigue. And so, like, there was a certain point where doing the thing that I really enjoyed, I was doing it too much. Yeah. And so you also want to make sure that you're just checking in with yourself on, like, is this thing that I'm doing that I enjoy, am I doing it in a healthy amount? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, make sure that you have a healthy balance of um, things that make you feel good, but also things and things that challenge you. Um, but yeah, it can go either way. Like you can do too much or you can do too little. Yeah. So actually going along that note, like you, you had that relationship with spinning. Um, I remember, I don't know if you remember that one book that we both read and we went through that program. The Sherpa one? Yeah. It was like, it was like five or six days a week of like intense, intense workouts. And I I can't even imagine doing that right now, (laughs) but it was getting to the point where, you know, we would have a little bit of that post-workout like endorphin rush, Mm -hmm. right? Where we just felt freaking awesome for like 45 minutes but over the course of the program it was like my knees were really starting to ache because there was so much jumping so much Mm -hmm. squatting like my knees were really aching and then like just my body felt like under recovered at all times and I just started like feeling tired besides that little pocket of window after the workout where I felt really accomplished and I think you kind of like attach yourself to like oh that workout made me feel good Right, yeah. like right afterwards, yeah. and it's not like you kind of like you are like kidding yourself the whole a little picture. bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I stopped that and became just a little bit more cognizant of sustainable strength training, where it was like, oh, this is how I should feel. Like I should feel good after my workout and good as a whole, yeah. right? Um, as yeah. opposed to just like feeling run down all the time. And that and that's and that's kind of where like cross training takes place. Like if you're a runner and you want to improve your running because it's so repetitive you can get into these situations where you have repetitive stress injuries and you have repetitive trauma to your joints and muscles in which case cross training can be a really um, helpful component in addition to um, your running basically right, right. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah i guess it's not as cut and dry as the two uh statements that i made um, in the facebook group but you know i hopefully this gives you a little bit of a clearer picture of you know based on your goals and based on just overall just science how you can structure and gauge whether or not something is appropriate for you yeah i think it sets a really good framework at least yeah. and a really good foundation and then you can kind of put your own um experiences and and your own goals into that equation yeah and like to be honest like when we were first training um we would definitely advocate for strength training it was superior form of exercise science makes it so um and we didn't take the human part of the equation into it um now we're much more just open as you can tell um but this is the reason why you see so many professionals um especially early on in their careers be so adamant put like their flag on the ground of like their form of exercise is the best and everything else is silly and then it just leaves the end consumer the end person kind of like a little bit confused right it's Mm -hmm. like wait all these people seem to be getting really good results but they're all saying something really different so it's a little bit confusing um but it's really just because people are i mean they're very passionate about what they do and they just haven't gotten to the point where it's like oh there's an actual human at the other end of it not just a robot that's taking in all these scientific stimuli right totally (laughs) cool all right awesome and then we're gonna get into two specific questions we got from um i think a story you put up the other day asking for questions cool first one's from mrose underscore b Mm -hmm. uh she said low back pain with single leg glute bridge how to progress the glute bridge 
So, so kind of two yeah. questions, I guess. Um, the first one, we'll attack the first one first. So low back pain. Yeah. Single leg Typically bridge. when we see people do a single leg glute bridge and they're feeling a little bit of um, stuff going on in the lower back, it's because they have whatever leg is up in the air, it's totally locked out and kind of like straight out in front of them. Usually, right? yeah. And so that leads to a very long lever on their core and it makes it difficult to keep more of a neutral position. So what we recommend for single leg glute bridges is to bend that knee and tuck it in really close to your chest and then bridge up only as high as you can without letting that knee move away from you. And the further away your, move, your knee moves away from you, the more stress it could place on your lower back. So tuck that knee in really close. Um, you can Google images like Cook Hip Lift and you'll be able to find a, a, a more of a visual representation of that. Yeah, um, something that you can do to make sure that you're keeping your knee in, one is just to hold it there with your opposite yeah. hand. So if your right knee is tucked in, take your left hand and just pull that knee in toward your chest and just hold it there. And as you rise up, just make sure, as you lift your hips up, make sure that that knee doesn't move away from you like Jason was saying. Another thing that gives you really good feedback is you can put like a tennis ball or a lacrosse ball um, right like below your bottom rib and then hold it there with your thigh mm -hmm. of the knee that you're that you've pulled in and then as you lift up you'll notice it'll give you immediate feedback if you let that knee go forward the ball will come loose and it'll fall out yeah um, so it gives you some really good feedback as well um, yeah and it's actually it's, it's a good way to engage the other side hip flexor which is a really functional pattern right whenever you're running or walking or jogging one hip flexes and the other extends and just by doing a single leg glute bridge with one leg extended that only works the extension part mm. not the hip flexion part so it's, it's more of a functional exercise anyway we think yeah and then the second part was um oh well and the other one other thing that might be happening there is um even if you have the knee hugged in, it's still possible to have your rib cage mm. flared slightly. Very true. So also make sure that your rib cage is kind of like flat to your body. Make sure it's not, your ribs aren't flared out or open. Um, so you can think about kind of pressing before you lift your hips off the ground, pressing your lower back into the floor by depressing your rib cage and then maintaining that ribs down positioning as you lift into the glute bridge. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, and that's how we that's how we teach um, glute bridges to our members to begin with. Even yeah. though glute bridges are, you know, quote unquote, an easier exercise, we still want to coach it well. And when coached well, people are like, oh, this is actually much more challenging than just lifting up the hips, right? right? And so just like Lauren said, we have them actually physically place their hands on their rib cage. And then from there, we have them arch their rib cage and their lower back up to the ceiling. And then we have them try to push their rib cage and lower back down towards the floor. And we have them do that multiple times just to feel where their ribs are in space because it's really difficult to tell if you've never actually done that before, which in most cases, people probably haven't done that before. Yeah. And so once we get them to shuffle back and forth a few times, now they have an understanding of what it means to actually get their rib cage all the way down. And then we tell them to keep their hands there while they bridge their hips up. And it uh, just really helps them to get some feedback and some more awareness. And they're like, oh, I can feel my core engaging now as I bridge up instead of feeling my lower back. So yeah, good ways. Cool. And, and good ways. Good ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the, <laughs> that's like a funny wrap up I don't, I don't know why I said that. Cool. Good ways. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an Australian phrase or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah kind of does. Um, the second half of that question was how to progress glute bridges. Um, and so, right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. one of the ways is to go to single leg, which we were just referring to. Another way is to increase the range of motion. So you can um, elevate your shoulders up on a bench, yeah. and that way you're doing um, a shoulders elevated glute bridge. You can do that with, with two legs, or you can do that with one leg. Yeah. Um, you can elevate the feet. 
So then you're also, again, increasing just the range of motion. You have to go higher up in the glute bridge to get full hip extension. Yeah. Um, you can add weight. Yeah. Um, or you can add you can add a mini band around your knees. That's another way to increase the difficulty a little bit. Um, that also sometimes isn't just to increase difficulty, but also for awareness for some people who have a hard time pushing their knees out or activating their glutes. If you put a mini band around the knees, that helps to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, you can glute bridge with a barbell. Yeah. So yeah, and, and that's pretty much the order that we would go in. We'd yeah. go with a bilateral, and then we'd increase the range of motion somehow, and then we go single leg. And utilize those same exact progressions, and then we'd weight it. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Sweet. All right. <laughs> good so ways. Let's go through good ways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. And then our last question is from. By the way, Lauren always loves calling out like whenever <laughs> I say like something slightly like like a uh, phrased incorrectly because I'm not I'm not good with phrases for some reason. <laughs> and if I type something wrong, like a typo, you. you I just... love typos. <laughs> like, I love typos. They're so funny to me. Like especially when they just make a funny word that's yeah. not a real word. Like I don't mind. I don't. I think there's like the common ones that like like duck or whatever. You know, like the ones that like yeah. the, the iPhone just changes like those. I don't find that funny. But when it's just like makes up a new word and the word sounds really funny, <laughs> I don't know. I just love it. Or if like <laughs> so I say something with. Like a lisp or like a mix the syllables <laughs> between two words. Like you just love. I know. Love I just it. call you out immediately. I can't help myself. I just, I just think it's, it's so funny. It, it, it is really funny, especially I get a kick out of how much you enjoy it too. <laughs> now he like he knows when he does like when you make a mistake, you just wait for. I see your face like yeah. waiting for me to call you out. And you're like, darn it! I wish, I wish, or yeah, that is how it started. You, your, your ear is hyper tuned for this because like there'll be times where. We'll just have conversations, like, and you, you won't quite understand, or you, I'll say something you won't hear it. But if I make a mistake, <laughs> like as a, like a speech thing, you you instantly point that out. Oh, it's so mean. It no, sounds no, really it's, mean. It's funny, but it's funny. Yeah. I wouldn't do it to like a stranger on the street. <laughs> you might. No, You're I like, wouldn't. what'd you say? Good ways. <laughs> Good ways. That's such a weird one. Good ways. I, I don't. I don't know. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm dying. Anyway, our last question comes from Devin underscore deadlifts and donuts. <laughs> awesome handle. Um, and they said, does practicing trap bar deadlift often, will that improve the conventional deadlift? Yes, this is a really good question. And it, it's a little bit two ways. Um, because your name is Devin deadlift and donuts, donuts. but more than likely for <laughs> you, it seems like you've had a lot of experience with deadlifts um, specifically. For you, I would say that a trap bar deadlift would not be beneficial in terms of increasing your conventional deadlift. However, for a beginner, just learning to hinge and deadlift overall, trap bar deadlift is an incredible way to just learn how to pick up weight safely off of the floor um, just because of the structure of how it's built where you step inside and the weight is around you and you're just like, it's a better leverage situation for a beginner lifter. But for someone more experienced with deadlifts and they want to get better at their conventional deadlifts specifically, I wouldn't advise doing trap bar deadlifts as anything other than just a way to load a hinge pattern. I wouldn't treat it as this will improve your conventional deadlift. Yeah, I totally agree. That's exactly what I was going to say as well. Um, I think that it's a good option for if you're on like a deload cycle or something like that. Yeah, like if definitely. you're, if you're just, cause every once in a while people, we just get taxed out from some of the main lifts, especially if you're powerlifting and you're just constantly squatting, benching, deadlifting, like every once yeah. in a while you just need to deload and do something different. And I think that keeping a hinge pattern in is important, but going to something like a trap bar would be great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like exactly like Jason said, I, it won't, 
directly improve your numbers for a conventional deadlift just because it's a it's a completely different lift yeah and so you know for as for trap bar there are two different settings there's a high handle setting and you can flip the bar around and then there's a low handle setting so the high handle setting it's almost like a a more it's like an elevated deadlift mm-hmm. um and i would just much rather have you do an elevated deadlift and overload that pattern than overloading the trap bar deadlift pattern. It's right. just it's just different enough where it wouldn't really have much carryover. The other way is doing a low handle trap bar deadlift and it gets really squatty. So again, it doesn't really quite mimic the deadlift pattern um, that you're trying to improve and most likely would rather just have you squat. Um, but yeah, as for us, we'll treat it as a way to, uh, like Lauren said, deload a person from the barbell, just kind of like get them a different stimulus. Um, but we definitely, in the back of our minds, it's not like this is gonna increase their conventional deadlift. We just want a systemic like deload for that person. Um, and the other way, it's just kind of like a, like a, just an overall like muscle builder. So we love low handle trap bar deadlifts as a way to get someone's um, lower body, their quads especially, just getting a good pump there. Um, and high handle trap bar deadlift could be a little bit more of a posterior chain builder. Um, but these are some of the, the, the thoughts that we were having. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's about it. All right. Well, I think those are all the answers to your burning questions for today. <laughs> Thank you so much for those. And we look forward to getting more questions from you. You can DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston if, on Instagram if you have questions of your own. If you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we'd be very grateful for that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.